What a blessing to be together Christmas Eve to worship our Savior, remembering his first coming into the world, anticipating his second coming. We have a glorious Savior. He's the hope that the world seeks. It's found in Christ, in Christ alone. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Today is part 4 in our Christmas series entitled Bethlehem, Every Heart a Manger. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, reading down to verse 37. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, pledged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, for you have found grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we have two versions of the Christmas story. Matthew tells Joseph's story, and Luke tells Mary's story. As you read Luke's Gospel, you'll learn several things about Mary. Here's a brief list. Her father's name is Eli. She had a a sister named Salome. He had a relative named Elizabeth. She was young. She was poor. She's a devoted believer in God. She's a virgin. When the story opens, Mary is pledged to Joseph. That meant that she had officially said yes to marry Joseph. But the wedding had not yet taken place. Between the pledge and the wedding feast was a period lasting anywhere from six months to a year. During that period, the couple was considered to be married and were called husband and wife. But they didn't live together and they didn't consummate their marriage physically. Following the custom of that day, Mary would live with her parents and Joseph with his parents until the wedding feast took place. After the public wedding feast, Mary and Joseph would live together as husband and wife. 
Everything in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke happens against that background. Mary is approximately 16 years old, living with her parents, most likely in Nazareth, and waiting with happy anticipation for the day of her wedding. It's right at this point in her life that God is about to ask an unknown teenage girl to take part in something that is so shocking as to be totally, totally unbelievable. What God asked Mary to do will change her life forever. Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak through your servant today your eternal word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God sends the angel Gabriel to deliver a message to Mary, a message from God. He tells her she's going to have a baby, not just any baby. She's going to give birth to the Son of God. I mean, just think. Someone you never met before shows up out of nowhere and tells you, I have a message from heaven. I have a message from God to you. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. Listen again to what Gabriel said in verses 30 through 33. Do not be afraid. I think that's an understatement. Do not be afraid, Mary, for for you have found favor with God. and, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, if you're Mary, what would you do? What would you do if you were Mary? You're doing your afternoon chores, and here comes this stranger with the most preposterous sounding thing you've ever heard in your entire life. Do you ask, who are you? Do you ask this stranger to, to leave? Do you call 911? I mean, what do you do if you were Mary? Mary had only one question. Look at verse 34 of our text. She looks at Gabriel, this angel, and says, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can this be? How can this be since I do not know a man? As crazy as this sounds, Mary's like, all right, I'm willing to do my part, but you need to explain to me how we're going to handle this one little, little, little problem. I've never been with a man. I'm a virgin. Now, church, that's real faith. That's believing the impossible. I'm willing. I'm willing, but but How? I'm willing, Lord, but how? That's trusting God when the facts argue against it. They just don't add up. I'm a virgin, but how? Gabriel tells Mary, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. 
of God. Gabriel explained to Mary that this would be a miracle, the work of the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Godhead, the the Trinity. How many need a Christmas miracle? How many here today need a Christmas miracle? In just a few minutes, we'll have the opportunity to come together as a church family to receive personal pastoral prayer. We want to pray with you personally and believe with you for your Christmas miracle. Gabriel ended his message by encouraging Mary's faith. How many's faith needs to be encouraged today? Gabriel ended his message by encouraging Mary's faith. Her aged relative, Elizabeth, who never could conceive, was with child. That was a miracle. Look at verses 36 and 37. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Can we say that together? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now we know Mary and Elizabeth's situations are not exactly the same. We know that Mary is a teenager and has never been with a man. Elizabeth was much older and never could conceive a child. Elizabeth's conception came in the natural way. Mary's came in a supernatural way via the Holy Spirit of God. The point is that both are examples of human impossibilities made possible by the Holy Spirit. How many right now presently in your life you're staring at an impossible situation, a humanly impossible situation? With God, with God, Gabriel said, with God, nothing will be impossible. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary said, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Mary's believing response was to surrender herself to God as his willing servant. And in doing that, she experienced the grace of God. Back in verse 30, Gabriel told Mary, For you have found favor. The word favor translated in the Greek, means grace. For you have found grace, God's grace. Grace, grace, such grace. We sang about this wonderful grace during communion. Mary experienced the grace of God and believed the word of God that came from the angel Gabriel And therefore, she could be used by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the will of God. God has a will for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for your life. It's perfect. It's better than your plan. Mary, I'm sure, had her her life mapped out. Then God stepped in and said, Mary, I have a plan. It's going to blow your plan away. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. We map out our lives, don't we? Well, God has already mapped out our lives. He has a plan. He has a a purpose. It's perfect. Anything that God does is perfect. There's no no imperfections whatsoever. God has a plan for your life. 
a perfect plan for your life, a purpose for your life, to know him, to serve him, and to share the greatness of who he is to a broken, hurting, hopeless world. Christmas is not simply about a birth, but about a coming, the coming of the Son of God into the world. This is the good news of of Christmas. God has come to save you. God has come to save Pat Medeiros. God has come to save the whole world. In in, in Matthew's gospel, in, in Matthew chapter one, verses 20 and 21, the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In her, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Christmas is about the coming of the Savior of the world. God became one of us. I mean, think about this. This is a miracle in itself. God became one of us. He wrapped himself in human flesh. God became one of us so that we could become one with him. Wow. Are you one with God today? Mary's question makes me think of a man named Nicodemus. Turn, if you will, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Nicodemus was a highly respected rabbi. The word rabbi means teacher. Nicodemus was a highly respected teacher of old testament law the old testament scripture he comes to jesus by night and he wants to talk with jesus he has some things that that are going on in his heart and, and in his mind that are stirring and he wants to he wants to talk to jesus and so he he comes the the scripture tells us in in john chapter three by night to to talk with jesus he was restless He's unsatisfied with religion. He was a religious leader, yet we find him in this portion of scripture unsatisfied with religion. He wants more. In fact, he knows there is more. Something is happening inside of Nicodemus. Something is stirring deep within Nicodemus. He witnessed what Jesus was saying and doing. He saw the miracles. He heard Jesus teach with with heaven's authority with heaven's power look at john chapter 3 verse 2 this man came to jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from god for no one can do these signs that you do unless god is with you the way jesus loved and cared for others attracted nicodemus to to jesus It wasn't something that was witnessed amongst the religious leaders that he was a part of. Jesus' compassion, his kindness. The more Nicodemus discovered 
about Jesus, the more he discovers why Jesus is so attractive to others and why the crowds followed Jesus wherever he went. There's something that has been happening in Nicodemus's life and he wants to know what it is. He can't help but be attracted to Jesus. When all of his contemporaries, when all the other religious leaders were offended by Jesus, Nicodemus was attracted to Jesus. Something was going on deep within Nicodemus's heart. As Nicodemus and Jesus talked, Jesus helps him understand exactly what's happening. Look at verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 7. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Mary, Mary, a peasant girl, and Nicodemus, a religious leader, a respected religious leader, had more in common than most people would think. Both had similar questions about something God said to them. Something that in the natural would seem absolutely impossible. Mary's question, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can a virgin give birth? And How is it possible that me, this peasant girl, will give birth to the son of almighty God? Nicodemus, he asked, how can a man be born when when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and, and be born? He's scratching his head as he's asking Jesus this question. I can hear Nicodemus saying, how is that even possible? Both ask sincere and honest questions. Both have faith in Christ mixed with a desire to understand. How is this even possible? possible I just want to throw this out God is perfectly okay without questions Jesus said to Nicodemus most assuredly I say to you the phrase most assuredly in other Bible translations uses the expression truly truly or verily verily it literally means amen Amen. Can we say that together? Amen. Amen. It means you can put your weight on it. You can trust this. Amen. Amen. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can trust this. You can put all your weight on this. This truth will hold you up. It will not drop you. It will not cause you to fall. It will hold you up. Every pound, every ounce of you, this truth, 
amen, amen, will hold you up. In fact, will hold the entire world up. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus tells Nicodemus, he cannot see God acting as king in his kingdom, the kingdom of God, unless you're born again. The Greek word born again literally means born from above. To be born from above is to be born of the spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus in verses five, six, and seven, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The must. Hear this this morning. The must, and you must be born again is not anything Nicodemus can do. Nothing Nicodemus can do. In fact, it's nothing any of us can do. None of us can do anything. It's something that must happen to Nicodemus from outside of Nicodemus, from outside of himself. It's something that must happen to you and to me from outside of ourselves. It's not anything that we can do in our own strength, in our natural abilities. Just like being pregnant with the Son of God was something that happened from outside of Mary's own control, Mary's own natural abilities. She asked, how could this be since I do not know a man? And Gabriel answered Mary saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Just like the virgin birth, being born again is a miracle. The work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit within a person's heart. My heart and your heart. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Each one of us entered the world with a sin nature. God entered the world to take it away. The sinful nature is all about self, pleasing self, promoting self. Sin is selfish. Sin separates us from God. And the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And that word death in the Greek language literally means separation from a holy God. God who is holy cannot be in relationship with anyone or anything that is not holy. And so he comes into the world to do something that we could not do for ourselves, make us holy, make us right. So we can be one with him. The grace, the miracle of Christmas. I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful. I love Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 14, and I'm reading I'm reading this portion of scripture from the New Living Translation. With Christ, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Colossae, and he writes, with Christ, you were raised to new life. 
because you trusted the mighty power of God. The Colossian church, they were raised to new life. They were born again. They were born from above because you trusted, Paul writes. You trusted the mighty power of God. Of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You've trusted the mighty power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of all the charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The Christ in the cradle was the Savior on the cross. He gave his life. He gave his life to give you life and to give me life and to give the whole world life, his life, eternal life. Isn't that glorious, church? To be born again means to be brought to life spiritually. To have a spiritual resurrection. Jesus had a physical resurrection. But when we trust in the power of almighty God. In the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We like Jesus have a resurrection moment. Not a physical resurrection. It's a spiritual resurrection. We were dead spiritually. But when we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit raises us from that spiritually dead state, alive in Christ Jesus. How many have been resurrected in Jesus Christ? You've been resurrected spiritually. You didn't enter this building dead spiritually. You entered this place resurrected in Jesus Christ in new life, God's life, eternal life. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus did on the cross and applies it to our spiritually dead condition. I love what the Apostle Paul penned to the church in Ephesus. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. I'm so grateful because that was me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but he's made me alive. In Christ, the Holy Spirit, he takes what what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for you, and he quickens it, he applies it to my life. And I'm raised in newness of life, born from from above, born again. Wow, isn't that beautiful, church? The must, and you must be born again as God's doing. Not Pat's doing, not Nicodemus's doing. It's not your doing, it's God's doing. Just like the virgin birth was God's doing, the work of the Holy Spirit in Mary's life. The same is true of every person who is born again. It is God's doing. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life. Jesus said in John 3, 5, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
In verse 6 of John 3, Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus isn't using flesh here to refer to anything negative or evil. It refers to our humanity. Flesh begets flesh. That's all flesh can beget. Flesh begets flesh. Flesh also perishes. Flesh cannot bring about this new birth Jesus is talking about. The new birth must be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. God must birth us into his kingdom. That's the only way we can enter the kingdom of God. We must be born into the kingdom of God. My son Manny, my daughter Kaylin, my son Patrick, my son Matthew, the only way that they could be born into my household was through natural means. Something my wife and I worked on together. Flesh begets flesh. But to be born into the kingdom of God, it's God's doing. There's nothing you and I can do. It's God's doing. It's God's making. It's the work of the Holy Spirit within The new birth must be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. God must birth us into his kingdom. The Holy Spirit, in a sense, impregnates us with the life of the risen Christ. The child in the cradle was the Savior on the cross. And the Holy Spirit impregnates us with the life of the risen Christ. Nicodemus, who seeks to understand, he's scratching his head. He comes in the darkness of night to talk with Jesus. But in coming to Jesus in the darkness of night, Jesus, who is the light of the world, Nicodemus comes out of the darkness into the day, into the truth, the word that became flesh and lived among us. He doesn't argue with Jesus. He doesn't ask why. He asks how, just like Mary, how, how, how? Nicodemus asks how? Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 10 of John 3, are you the teacher of Israel? Are you not this respected teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Now, Jesus isn't rebuking Nicodemus here. That's not what he's doing. He's not disappointed with Nicodemus. He's not upset with Nicodemus. He's simply pointing Nicodemus to the prophecies of the Old Testament that speak about the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. The Greek word for wind is the same word for spirit. Jesus has two Old Testament passages in mind that Nicodemus, he would know. These were familiar passages. He was a teacher of Old Testament scripture. The first is found in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. 
Even our first breath, think about this for just a moment. Even our first breath involves and depends on the breath of God. I'm speaking physically. No one is birthed on their own. Even our physical birth was an act of God. The text Jesus especially has in mind is found in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapters 36 and 37. In chapter 36, God speaks of one day coming and manifesting his great holiness among his people. And Christmas is a part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. He says to to his prophet, I will come. I will cleanse you with water. I'll wash your sins away. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will put my spirit within you. And then in chapter 37, we read the vision of the valley of dry bones. It's a picture of the spiritual condition of God's people, Israel. It's a picture of us before Christ, before the work of the Holy Spirit in our own hearts, applying what Christ finished on the cross to our dead state. God takes the prophet Ezekiel out into this valley. It's full of dry bones, decaying bones. And God asked the prophet in Ezekiel 37, three, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Ezekiel answers, oh Lord God, you know. Oh Lord God, you know the answer to your question. And so God orders Ezekiel to prophesy over the bones. And so he does in in verse four of Ezekiel 37. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Do you hear the word of the Lord today? Ezekiel 37, verse five and six state. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. As the prophet looked on, there was a rattling and the bones started coming together. Bone to bone, Ezekiel 37, 7 tells us, bone to bone, something miraculous was taking place. In verse 9 of Ezekiel chapter 37, God tells the prophet to prophesy to the breath. And so Ezekiel does, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain bones that they may live. The scripture tells us that very moment they are filled with life, God's life, and stand up. They were a great army, a mighty army. Filled with the breath of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God. The vision showed that Israel's new life depended on God's power. Not anything else, but on the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells Nicodemus being born again has nothing to do with entering your mother's womb a second time. It depends on God's power. It's God's doing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit within a person's heart. My heart in your heart. And just like the Son of God being born in Mary was the work of the Holy Spirit, so is Jesus being made alive in you. Being born in your heart is a work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came. God came, wrapped himself in human flesh to be born in your heart, within your heart, and within my heart. That's the grace of God. 
That's the miracle of Christmas. Bethlehem, every heart a manger. As I prepare to close, I want to just share a couple more thoughts, amazing truths that I trust will bless your life and draw you closer to Jesus. Maybe draw you to Jesus for the very first time. Just like the Son of God was born in Mary, Jesus wants to be born in you. Like Mary, you can experience the grace of God as you believe the word of God and you can be used by the Holy Spirit of God to serve God. There's no better life. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, he writes in Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In verse 13 of Romans 10, the apostle Paul declares... For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. I invite you today to receive God's grace. His grace is a gift to broken humanity, to sinful humanity. Grace is something that's undeserved. God doesn't give us this gift of grace because we deserve it. He gives us this amazing gift of grace because he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave. And wrapped up in Jesus, the one he gave, is this amazing gift of grace, undeserved favor. Wrapped up in the human flesh in this child in the cradle. It's the Savior on the cross. And there on the cross, he secured your salvation and my salvation. Wrapped up in baby Jesus who was born the Savior. He didn't become the Savior. He was born the Savior. He was already the Savior in heaven. The Savior was not born. He came. Came. Christmas is much more than a birth. It's about a coming of a Savior. The only Savior. Oh, there's many that claim to be the Savior that can make your life better. They're false saviors. He's not a Savior. He's the Savior of the world. And wrapped up in the Savior of the world is this amazing gift of eternal life. Eternal life. Oh, science is trying to make us live longer and live forever. It's never going to happen. Science isn't going to come up with the, with, the, with the solution. With the scientific solution. There isn't a scientific solution. 
there's a spiritual solution. There's a spiritual solution. The Savior of the world wrapped up, wrapped up in the Savior of the world is an amazing gift, the gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his grace, eternal life. Oh, I pray as you exchange gifts tonight and tomorrow, oh, that you receive the greatest gift, the gift of the Son of God, wrapped up in him, the grace of God that saves the gift of eternal life. Do you desire to be born again? I want to get born again all over again. You know, praying and preparing, listening to some different music, Christmas hallelujah, I just found myself just getting teary-eyed and just overwhelmed by the grace of God, the love of God, the gift of God. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Awaken our hearts. Do what only you can do. This preacher cannot do it. Spirit of the living God, Holy Spirit, awaken hearts. Bring this truth deep into the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. May it come alive and may it change them. May your grace touch them and transform them. And may they be filled with the gift of eternal life. Do you realize your personal need for the Savior of the world? Do you realize you're a sinner? Sorry, but you are. I am. Don't blame me. Blame our first parents, Adam and Eve. Would you like to receive by faith the Lord Jesus Christ within your heart? Would you like to be born again by the Spirit of God? the Holy Spirit of God. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? And maybe you're here today and you want to be born again from the Spirit of God. You want to be raised from that dead place spiritually. And you want to come alive spiritually in Christ Jesus. Today you want to receive the grace of God, the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sin. Would you raise your hands? Just raise your hands. Is there one here today that would just raise their hands? And say, Pastor, I want to be born again. Thank you, young men. Others here today, I want to be born again. Thank you, young man. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for this truth. And I pray through the power of your spirit, this truth would accomplish that which it was sent forth to do that it would not return void, that it would do its work and bring you the greatest glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.